me start off by saying that this is going to be a strange kind of message. It's not going to be entertaining at all. It's probably not going to be encouraging or exhorting. It's more informative. And as such, it may be fairly tedious, I'm afraid. <laughs> that was the laugh that, aren't they all tedious? But I started in the ministry in 1989. You know, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but that has been a long time ago. It's over 30 years in dealing with people. Now, in the ministry, you get to deal with sometimes the joys of people's lives, the good things that happen to them, and you get to participate in lots of different joyful events. But also, you get to... In be involved in much of their trials, their traumas, and their problems. So not only do you have the experience of dealing with your own personal problems and situations, but you've had a front row seat for a lot of other people's problems. Many of the problems that we face are conflicts between people. Now, you have to remember, I grew up, like a lot of you grew up, watching The Lone Ranger, Andy Griffith, Hogan's Heroes, Combat, and Leave it to Beaver, and a lot of other shows that are similar to that. They were all very enjoyable. I also grew up reading The Hardy Boys, The Three Investigators, Encyclopedia Brown, and all the well-known children's classics like Robin Hood. They were all very entertaining and uplifting and enjoyable. But they weren't very realistic. The one common denominator in all of those things that I listed is this. The good guy always wins. No matter how it looks, good triumphs. Right prevails. Now that was not a bad thing to, to think as a kid. And the lessons of always doing the right thing, which is what the TV shows always taught, is you do the right thing. No matter what, you do the right thing. That was a well-timed lesson. But I have to tell you, I was headed for a rude awakening in my adult life. For the truth is, real life doesn't resemble those shows at all. Conflicts of life rarely ever get resolved like they do in the stories of classic fiction. The shock of how things actually go and the way that people actually act was very hard for me to get over. Now, I know that I am a little slow on the draw in many things. And maybe you didn't have those high expectations of people. But after 30 years of sitting on the front row of people's problems, watching reality, pretty much all of those early expectations are gone. It's real life. And people deal in conflicts very 
I might use the word brutally. And right does not always prevail. Our forefathers had a saying. See if you can complete it. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. What that means is people don't change very much. And if you don't learn from their mistakes, you are going to do the exact same thing. Now this week, and I do not know what the catalyst for it was other than the Lord, but in my normal Bible reading, I started looking at this passage of Scripture, just reading through my Bible as I always do, I'm going cover to cover, and in that normal Bible reading I came to this passage of Scripture and for some reason I started looking at this passage of Scripture from a different vantage point. Instead of looking at it as the Lord's redeeming work, like I always have in the past, I started making notes concerning how people deal with conflict. And I was kind of shocked to find that since we have not learned from history, we are repeating it. And 30 years of watching conflict was merely a rerun of this passage of Scripture. Now tonight I want to look quickly through this passage. I have like 15 or 16 points, okay, so we're not going to spend very much time on any one of them. But I want to look through this and see how people act in conflict both now and then. Now the purpose here is twofold. To make sure that we are acting properly. We don't want to be making the same mistakes that people have made down through centuries in dealing with conflict. And we need, number two, to be aware of how people will generally act. So we're not taken off guard when they act like people always do. So one is to double check ourselves to make sure we're doing right, but also to keep us in reality that things may not go like we wish they would go. And before we get into this, I want two things to be specifically clear. Number one, I am not currently thinking of any problems that I'm trying to deal with. I'm not trying to deal with something that's happening or trying to avert something from happening that I know about. If I knew of something, this isn't the way I would deal with it. So I have nothing on my mind as far as what's going on right now. I, if I knew it, I wouldn't deal with it, and I don't know of anything, okay? So we'll start there. I'm not trying to, to deal with something here, okay? That's not the catalyst for this. The second thing I need you to understand is this is a very sacred passage of Scripture. Now, I think that you know what I think about the Lord Jesus and what he did for us. And I don't want anything that I say to minimize that or detract. But in this passage, we find temptations such as a common demand, and we can learn how people react in situations so that we can understand how they most likely will react today. We'll entitle this, Thoughts Concerning Conflict. Thoughts Concerning Conflict. Conflict, let's pray. Father, we bless your name when we ask that you would lead here. Lord, this is a different kind of message, and I ask that your spirit would teach as it needs to be taught. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll just read through this a block of verses at a time and make specific points concerning each one without very much explanation at all. 
chapter number 23. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nations and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. Point number one. In conflict, when people feel like they are not winning, they will always get more fierce. They will start exaggerating to prove their point. When the chief priests and the rulers were talking among themselves, they all agreed. And so they figured this thing is going to be a slam dunk. We'll just push it right through. But Pilate was seeing through their arguments and he wasn't buying it. And what does the passage say? They got more fierce. They started exaggerating the facts in order to convince. In verse number 10, they vehemently accuse him. When a conflict comes, don't be surprised when people get upset, when things aren't going the way that they want it to go, and they start exaggerating. If you are in Pilate's position where you're having to judge these things, realize that people will exaggerate in a conflict. If you find yourselves in a conflict, you find yourself starting to need to get exaggerate, to get a little more fierce or vehement, watch out. You're probably walking down the wrong path. In a conflict, people, when they feel like they're losing, will get more fierce. Verse number 6. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at the time. Point number two. When a person doesn't want to suffer repercussions from a decision, they will try to pass the buck to somebody else. When a person doesn't want to suffer the repercussions from a decision, they will try to pass the buck to somebody else. Pilate knows the situation. He knows it's a very volatile situation. He doesn't want to fall in on either side of this. And he finds out that Herod has jurisdiction, and he sends the Lord over there so that he doesn't have to make the decision. If people can find a way to get out of making an unpopular decision, expect them to do so. They're going to try to get out. If, they, if the decision is going to be unpopular, don't let it surprise you if they try to pass the buck and try to get out so they don't have to make the decision. Verse number 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him for a long season, because he'd heard many things of him and hoped that he would have seen some miracle done by him. And when he questioned him with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. The chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him with a gorgeous robe and set him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were in at enmity between themselves. 
Point number three. In a problem, not all actions taken by people will be done based on the merits of the case or trying to find a solution. In a problem, not all the actions being taken by people will be done based on the merits of the case or trying to find a solution. In other words, people will merchandise the situation. Herod was willing to make a decision based on what entertainment value he could get out of this. He was hoping to see a miracle. Pilate used the situation to deal with an old political problem that had nothing to do with this case. So don't be surprised in a problem that not all the actions taken by people will be done based on the merits of the case or trying to find a solution. People will merchandise the problem. Verse number 9, then he questioned with him in many words, but he, that's Christ, answered him nothing. Point number 4, not all accusations and wrong statements need to be answered. Not all accusations and wrong statements need to be answered. It is in our nature to want to defend ourselves and to set the record straight to protect our reputation. We can learn a great deal here from our Lord. Think about the nasty things that were being said about him. The out and out lies that were being told. The complete falsehoods set against him. And what did he say about all of these things? Nothing. Not all accusations and wrong statements need to be answered. Verse number 13. And Pilate, when he called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I have examined him before you and have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof you accuse him. Nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for of necessity he must re release one of them to the, at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, release unto us Barabbas, who for certain seditions made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake unto them, but they cried, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Point number five. Innocence is no guarantee of verdict, and logic isn't a guarantee either. Innocence is no guarantee of a verdict, and logic isn't a guarantee either. Here we have Christ who's been examined by two people in power. They listen to all that everybody has to say, and they come up with the conclusion that he is innocent. But the outcome is still crucifixion. The fact that he was innocent did not change the outcome. Also, logic did not change the outcome. 
think this through. Here we have a peaceable man, Jesus Christ, who has been helping people and been healing people, wholesale healing throughout the whole area. He's been doing nothing. He's just of violence, always helping. Wherever he do, goes, he's doing good. On the other side, you have Barabbas, who tried to overthrow the government. Now, if you think back in the day, it was not a very wise thing to try to overthrow the Roman government because they didn't play nice. If this happened, it would not be uncommon for them to just come and wipe out the whole place. That just solves their problem. They don't have to figure out the innocent from the guilty. They just wipe them all out, and that's good enough for them. So Barabbas's insurrection, his try to overthrow the government, could have very well resulted in all of their deaths. And in this insurrection, he commits murder. Now you have a choice, one or the other. Any five-year-old child has enough logic to choose who should be walking free and who should be in jail, who should be punished. The outcome is the innocent is crucified and the murderer is set free. Because innocence is no guarantee of the verdict going your way or the problem going your way, and logic isn't a guarantee either. Verse number 21. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed. If we turn back to verse number one, it says, And the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. Number six. A crowd always gives weight to a situation, but it doesn't actually mean that they're right. A crowd always gives weight to one side of an equation, but it doesn't actually mean that they're right. The crowd yelled and shouted, and that yelling and shouting did turn the decision. But just because there was a lot of people and a lot of noise doesn't mean that they were right. Be careful. We're often swayed by these kinds of things. When a whole bunch of people are lined up on one side of the fence, we kind of lean that way with them. But it is like your mom said. Just because everyone is doing it doesn't make it right. And the crowd will be there, on, and it adds weight to a situation, but just because there's a lot of people on one side doesn't mean that it's right. Number 20, verse number 26 and they led him away, and they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. Point number seven. In a problem, some people will stick with you, but they will be of very little help. In a problem, there will be people who will stick with you, but they will be of very little help. It's nice to have people on your side when you're in a problem, but don't expect that to change the situation. People will be with you, but they won't be of much help. Verse number 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. 
And when they were come to the place that is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Number eight, forgiveness is our example. Forgiveness is our example. We have these terrible things happening to the Lord Jesus, these unjust things, and his words are, Father, forgive them. The truth of the matter is, in life, people do bad things, they act improperly, and people do things that hurt you. Forgiveness is the pattern that was set for us. Does anything else need to be said about that? Forgiveness is our example. Verse number 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, himself he cannot... Is he, sorry, he saved others. Let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. Don't expect your enemies to be softened or weakened by your proper actions and forgiveness. Don't expect your enemies to be softened or weakened by your proper actions and forgiveness. Here the Lord Jesus just says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And the chief priests are still ridiculing and mocking. Don't expect your enemies to be softened by your, or weakened by your proper actions or forgiveness. Verse number 36. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Point number 10. Others who have no knowledge of what is going on will join in with opinions. Others who have no knowledge of what's going on will join in with opinions. You think about these soldiers. What did they know about any of this? What did they know what the Lord Jesus had been doing? What did they know about the entire situation? They knew actually almost nothing. And yet what they have them doing is joining in on something they have no clue about. And you'll find in your, in your conflicts, you'll have people who have no idea what's going on, and they will join in with opinions. Verse number 38 and saying, if thou be king of the Jews, oh, sorry, and the superscription also was written over in, with letters in Greek and Latin and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged, sorry, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Number 11, don't expect others who are in the same situation to have understanding or compassion. Don't expect others who are in a similar situation to have understanding or compassion. This passage doesn't tell it, but the other passage does say that both of the malefactors, both of the thieves, were criticizing the Lord Jesus. Now, you would have thought that if anybody had pity or understanding, it would be the two guys who are being cru crucified at the same time with the Lord. You would have thought those would be the ones who'd say, boy, this is tough. We're going through a really hard time here. Yet they were giving the Lord the same thing. Don't expect others who are in a similar situation or the same situation to have understanding and compassion. Number 40. 
But the others answered, the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the, all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hand I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. Point number 12. In the end... It will be your proper conduct in the situation that will convince some people. When it's all said and done, it will be your proper conduct in the situation that will convince some people. Not all the people, but some of the people. It will not save you generally from the outcome, but it will alter some people. If you think about the two thieves, one of them as he watches the Lord Jesus, has a heart change. At the beginning, he's casting the same in his teeth, is what the Bible says. And now we read here that he has had a heart change. One of the soldiers, a centurion, watches what is how the Lord has reacted in all of this, the Lord's conduct, and says, surely this must be a righteous man. In the end, it will be your proper conduct in the situation that convinces some people. Verse number 48. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things that were done, smote their breasts and returned. Point 13. Afterwards, some will regret their actions, but won't do anything about it. Some will, re afterwards, some will regret their actions, but will not do anything about it. Don't expect people to come back and say, oh boy, I was so wrong in all of that, and I'm so sorry about that. Some people here, they watched what it took place. They smote their breast at having allowed this to happen. This is a very sad thing, but they didn't do anything about it. Others will regret their actions, but will not do anything about it. Verse number 49 and all his acquaintance, and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just. The same had not consented to the counsel and the deeds of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who he also himself waited for the kingdom of God. And this man went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in the sepulcher that was hewn in a stone, where never man before it was laid. And that day was the preparation, the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after, and beheld the sepulcher which, and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Point number 14. In the conflict, you will find out who your true friends are. In the conflict, you will find out who your true friends are. 
people who aren't really sure will be forced one way or the other. We have Joseph of Arimathea here. But did he do this deed all by himself? Did he, he begged the body from Pilate, but did he bury the Lord all by himself? Who was his helper? Nicodemus. And what do we know about Nicodemus? The same came to Jesus by night. He wasn't quite sure how he felt about this whole thing. But in this conflict, people are forced, he was forced one way or the other. And we find him at this point in his life saying, you know what? I've got a job to do here and I'm siding, I know which side to be on. People who aren't sure will be forced one way or another. In the conflict, you will find out who your friends are. Number 15, the enemy will never be satisfied. The enemy in the conflict will never be satisfied. Take your, walk your brain through what takes place in the next little while. Christ is dead. He's in the grave. You'd think this would be an end of the problem, right? As far as they're concerned, it should be at an end. Is it an end? Is it over? No. Now it's, we'd better seal that tomb. We'd better set a watch. Not long after that, what are they doing? trying to hunt down every single one of the followers. That's what the Apostle Paul, when his name was Saul, what he was doing is trying to hunt down everybody who had followed. The enemy will never be satisfied. Now these thoughts that we've given over this last half hour are not meant to depress you. But they're to help us know what to expect in trouble. People do not act like what we would hope they would act. They do not act like they did in Andy Griffith. We need to watch ourselves because we have the same tendencies. We have a tendency to want to defend ourselves. We have a tendency to want to uh, get a little irritated and to go overboard on things. We want to have a tendency to get involved in things that we know nothing about. So watch yourself. You don't want to do the same thing. But we do have two main lessons of conflict that come from the Lord Jesus. You don't have to answer everything and try to set the record straight. And many things Christ said nothing. And forgiveness is the response. These are just some thoughts concerning conflict. Let's pray.